So folks who demand inclusion sure do practice exclusion well. Well, that was a line from one of your pieces on thisiscommonsense.org this week. Monday, we're going in order. We're very orderly, law in order, scripts in order. You know, the whole thing is going for us now. Okay, so proceed apace. <laughs> Consigned to Outer Darkness was uh, Monday's piece. And, uh, and it's like scratch the record, go back a second. One of the things we're going to do today that we don't do as much, and it partly is because there's been so many comments at the website on, on this week, week's scripts. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, we do talk about comments from time to time, but we don't, don't spend as much time as we're going to spend this time, uh, uh, this episode of This Week in Common Sense at your favorite website. This is commonsense.org. Um, oh, look at that. And I'm going to insert the music right here. <laughs> I told you we were on a roll. Uh, anyway, uh, but Pam, as they say in the South, bless her heart, uh, she wants to know when we're going to cover the riot at the Capitol. And so uh, she's been asking again and again to what anybody says, when are you going to address the riot at the Capitol? Well, we did address it. It's called Mostly Peaceful Protest. It wasn't out until, you know, early morning on the 7th. So there were hours, literal hours, not a full day, but hours before we commented on what had happened. I apologize profusely for our dithering for the whole day. We only do one script a day. We didn't know there was going to be uh, a riot and a uh, and an attack on the Capitol and so on. And so we just thought one script a day was enough. Apparently it's not, but Pam, it's there. This one's for you. Mostly peaceful protest, question mark, uh, at thisiscommonsense.org. And that will solve at least some of the problems uh, that, that Pam had with what we had to say this week. But consigned to outer darkness, we're talking here about the fact that we have big tech, we have all kinds of communication, so much of the, the daily public speech that takes place takes place on social media behemoths. Um, and we wrote a lot about that this week. This one, we were talking about the fact that uh, one, the standards, you know, we have had all kinds of people who have said on Twitter, on Facebook, other places, all kinds of outrageous things. I tend to be a person, you know, we, we love free speech at thisiscommonsense.org, and we don't mind having, you know, platforms where people can say what they want. Obviously, there's a line when they cross into criminality, like, hey, let's go rob that bank at noon. Of course, in some ways, you'd always kind of wish that bank robbers would, would write it on social media so you'd have a nice record. You know, you might be able to, you know, catch them at the door of the bank before they go in uh, and pull their guns and you, you might have some real good evidence for the trial. So there's that. But, but in essence, 
the standard is if you're conservative, we will just pretend that what you said was designed to wreck Western civilization and the world civilization. How could I say something so horrible as Western civilization? Uh, but but uh, and and so you know we have to we have to clamp down. But of course, much more incendiary things said by. Uh, Alexia or, or Alexandria uh, Ocasio Cortez, boy, AOC is so much easier, and uh, and others, and nothing happens. Nothing happens whatsoever, and so it's not hard to see, you know, to kind of read the the writing on the wall. And of course, we specifically addressed the huge attack on Parler. So you're going to silence people, but that's not enough to silence people on these platforms that you have built by welcoming people and pretending that there were some rules and they were going to be able to say what they wanted to say and they were going to be able to find friends and and uh, have a community online on your social media platform and then you pulled the rug out it may be legal i know so many people that their comment is this is the free market they're free to do whatever they want maybe I'm not, this isn't my area of law. I'm not a lawyer anyway. Uh, so there is no area of law other than getting screwed by the law. Uh, but I do pay attention to the law, uh, but not so much here. This isn't my expertise. I'd like to know, is it legal? Uh, and and so we asked that question a, a couple of times, I think this week. But in, in this particular piece, I also noted that Rush Limbaugh deactivated his Twitter account more on this as we go through the week, but I noted that so did I. And one, I just never liked Twitter. I just have to admit, I just never got it. It just seemed like, you know, you're just begging people to be their most obnoxious all the time. And uh, so, you know, it, it's not my cup of tea, but, uh, but I had planned to get rid of Twitter with the, the blocking of the New York Post. I mean, this is a social media company that, and we wrote about it at the time, a uh, social media company that basically uh, said the reason they blocked the New York Post and held them blocked for, for two weeks through the election uh, was that it was a hack story. Well, of course, it wasn't a hack story. Of course, they put other hack stories up all the time, and that's never been a... a uh, a, a rule there. It's ridiculous. And and so we have these very powerful centers of tremendous, what we're told is private control, even though you know they're doing all kinds of stuff with the government and, and you don't know how much in all the secret CIA, who knows what they're, you know, what Apple or Google or Facebook or any of these folks are really doing with the deep state. But why is it that the left doesn't seem to have any problem with huge, hugely monopolistic corporations smashing people's ability to speak in a completely arbitrary way that shows no rules whatsoever other than I don't like you, I don't like your face, I don't like your politics, and I'm going to clamp down on you. And... Um, and they, they seem to be fine with that. Oh, it's legal. It's legal. Um, no comment on whether that's the sort of society that we want to have. Do we want a society where, you know, certain viewpoints are just punished 
constantly. I don't. And, uh, and I've said that very clearly. And, and it seems to me that when you don't raise, like nowhere in any common sense that I'm aware of, have I ever said, we need the government to force private companies to do this or do that. We're looking at how are they allowed to do certain things that other companies are not allowed to do? How are they allowed to pretend that they have a platform that they don't control when they're controlling their platform and what you say left and right? That is not an invitation for the government to take over all communications. That is an invitation to have laws that are fair. Equality before the law is really important. If you didn't have to be equal, you could do all kinds of insidious things to destroy certain people in certain communities. And frankly, that's what they're doing. That's what they're attempting to do. But we wanted to get to some of the uh, comments. And of course, Pam's is the first one. The Capitol was under siege and you were worried about Trump's Twitter account. Yes. And yes. Good one. She got that. She got both right. <laughs> <laughs> Though, was the Capitol under siege? A siege is a protracted surrounding of an institution or a, a building and forcing people to behave to surrender. It was an incursion of some sort, but it wasn't a siege, really. So that's a lie. <laughs> and she must be a liar. <laughs> and they lie. <laughs> People are very particular about the words other people use. Yes, yes. Well, and here, of course, they weren't under siege in that way. And, of course, something I didn't know until I believe yesterday in looking at something on the New York Times, and my wife had said something. Sometimes she's able to follow the news. I have to, like, run around and do stuff. And, and she pointed out that Trump was still speaking when the siege, there wasn't a siege, when the attack on the Capitol happened. Right. Which just sort of messes up for me the he incited this thing to happen because usually you wait for like the full dose of, of incitement, if you know what I mean. And Well, right, right, right. And of course, I punished myself. And I, you know, sometimes Trump can be an amusing spectacle. But I really was not interested in listening to, I believe it was 70 minutes he spoke at the Ellipse. But just be, because, of course, that speech, we were told categorically, no question about it in the Washington Post, the New York Times, all the networks everywhere, really on Fox, too, uh, for the most part. It's kind of been a little mixed, but, but he incited that crowd. He egged them on. He... And I listened to the speech and I just, you know, and I had heard some of the snippets and it sounded to me like, well, it sounds like he really was kind of irresponsible. Not that he incited. I don't know that you'd have any real case against a person who said what they told me he had said. Well, he did use the word peaceable in there. So, yes, but that's sort of like him condemning white supremacists and neo-Nazis after Charlottesville. I don't think we're supposed to remember that. Oh, okay. I don't think we're supposed to be thinking about that. We're supposed to forget that if we're good people. Yeah. I mean, what kind of good person would remember a discordant fact like that? Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I've had people say almost that. Like, <laughs> there are times where you where we do something in common sense, and I've had someone kind of argue, why would you cover that? Not that 
you're wrong, that didn't happen, or you're wrong about the implications of that, but why would you cover it? Why would you allow people to think about something that doesn't further the fatherland? Um, that's sort of the the attitude. Yeah. It's, uh, woo. Well, we were in the context of a whole year of rioting or a half a year of rioting, and then we had this riot for, by a different group of people. And... Uh, very different reactions from different groups of people on the different groups of people, right? That's that is a yes. that is an obvious yes. point. We have pointed that out several times. We pointed it out. We tried to point it out somewhat gently. We didn't make it the whole thing of mostly peaceful protest, uh, but we did partly because we wanted to point out that some things worked. Our society is horrible and so on. But I think some policemen did some pretty good footwork, and that was part of what that that script was about as well. I noticed that two war Abin vet. I don't. I don't know what that means, but that's one of our uh, commenters. Uh, said eight months of rioting, looting, and torching entire cities. That's kind of wrong. Crickets. A few hours threatening useless Washington bureaucrats, howling outrage. Now that's not quite right because because it wasn't useless uh, bureaucrats. These were people who are actually responsible for most of the pain and suffering going on in the country. But but they do not deserve to be threatened. And with violence. So, so no, but it is, I think there are a lot of people out there and I've had, I've had a few who kind of say, Hey, I, this is the way I feel who did not like the violence did not, uh, would never be involved in that themselves opposed it, but also look at it and say, these people, in the same way that folks with Black Lives Matter do, you've got to understand the anger that's out there because you screw people over all yeah. the time. Because they're supposed to be free citizens who are part of something, and they're not. They've been divorced. They've been pushed out. No one cares. They don't feel like they get anything with their vote. You know why? They don't get anything with their vote. Um, if you're in a state that has initiative and referendum, sometimes you can. Every once in a while, someone will run and actually do what they said they were going to do. Of course, a few of the instances are Justin Amash, President Trump, uh, you know, because in, in essence, Trump, um, partly, I guess, because I'm not sure you knew exactly what he was going to do, but in many ways did what he said he was going to do. Um, in on, on all kinds of fronts. And you kind of had some sense of the kind of personality that was coming. I don't think people bought into that as much as they actually bought into not having Hillary Clinton be president, but that's another story altogether. But brought up again and again and again, and someone could dismiss it as whataboutism. Oh, you want to go back and, and fight about the summer. I don't want to spend any time arguing that somehow we have to do the same thing we did in the summer to these people who like I've, I've had people say if you're going to go after the people who rioted this summer then go after these people when i wrote the thing uh right after the the event no no you you, you go after everybody if they didn't go after them they didn't go after them but you have to go after people who were violent and commit crimes and and in essence there is a murderer someone inflicted enough damage that it appears very likely they murdered this policeman. 
And I suspect that wasn't their intent. I'm not not suggesting there was just some wanton person who's out there murdering someone right now. This is why you don't do stuff like smash indoors and and you know threaten police and so on. Um, but but throughout all of this is the realization that and maybe we don't talk about it directly enough. We're lied to all the time. We're lied to all the time by our government, and everybody knows that, and we're lied to by the news media. And I remember a few years back thinking, you know, I expect politicians to be lying, Saxa, you know what, um, but you just somehow it just doesn't feel right to think that's the way the media is, too. But they are. And so you see all through this, uh, of course the media didn't say anything, and they point out quotes from uh, from uh, AOC, marginalized groups have no choice but to riot. Um, well, the, you know, Twitter didn't shut her down after she said that. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and Pat asked this question uh, in, in the comments here on, on this uh, first one. Do you really think that big tech has the right to silence hundreds of millions of Americans in the wake of this assault? Who gave Amazon, Apple, and Google the right to decide what is acceptable? Well, we, I think as we go on, are going to have some other people suggesting where, where we're headed, uh, which is they're doing it. Whether they have the right to do it, whether every legal I is dotted and T crossed, I don't think so. And I think we should be looking for every legitimate legal way to stop them from behaving the way they're behaving. But I do not want to use any illegitimate, illegal ways. I don't want to deny them their First Amendment rights. Uh, I just want mine, and I want other people to have theirs. And so we'll jump to uh, Tuesdays, which is about one of my uh, favorite guys, not in Washington, uh, good for him, but former Congressman Ron Paul. Ron Paul and the fascisti, uh, how badly did I uh, massacre that? I think that's how I would pronounce right. it. You know, I just, as I was reading, I thought I've never said that. I've read it. I've never yeah. said it. Well, I'm not Italian, so my Italian pronunciations are a little bit, <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, I do love the word because we just don't, we say fascists all the time. So when I call somebody a fascist or a, a bunch of people fascists, I want to call them a fascisti because it's just too much, it's much more fun. Here's the thing that I think is so important for people to understand about what happened on Facebook with Ron Paul. And, and it, 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 not that it's unusual. It's the same story unfolding again. Ron Paul writes a column. It's online. He's arguing different things. Uh, he says things like, Last week's massive social media purges, starting with President Trump's permanent ban from Twitter and other outlets, were shocking and chilling, particularly to those of us who value free expression and the free exchange of ideas. He points out that the justifications don't quite make sense. So what happens? Facebook blocks Ron Paul's page. He can't do anything on his page, and they block this column. Now, I had several people who aren't terribly political people who this was a, I, I posted something on my personal Facebook page and a lot of back and forth. And uh, one woman said. That's really the article 
that they shut down his his Facebook page on? I mean, because you read the article and, you know, it's not like Ron Paul doesn't have a, a stated opinion and he's not saying everything and totally, you know, completely ridiculous. Well, possibly, perhaps, you know, Washington speak. There's nothing in this article that any reasonable person would think was objectionable. Just nothing. So what's being shut down? A political argument for why what Facebook is doing is wrong. That's what's being shut down. But the other thing is Facebook then has to pretend it has rules. So in its letter to him, it says that there's been a pattern of this. Well, he points out there is no other incidents. So again, just like with the, this news was hacked, it doesn't hold up. They're lying. Can people develop these social media things and tell you that there are rules, and then it turns out there really aren't any rules, and they can zap you anytime they want? That's what I keep questioning. Is that legal? Is that really not fraud in some way? So this one got a ton of replies. And the, the first one uh, is uh, a fellow who basically says, hey, uh, it's freedom. They can do whatever they want. Uh, it's free speech. Um, so as long as the government's not doing it, that's that's fine. Um, but uh, and of course, Pam's back with what's your reaction? No, that's Pat. Pat. No, no, no. Uh, well, I, I skipped over Pat. Uh, we're going back there. But, oh, okay. Because, um, okay. But uh, Pam was there again to say, hey, where's your where's your thing? That, of course, I already explained where it was. Um, Ernest Lewis uh, comments here and, uh, and points out that the public-private partnerships uh, that we, you know, that we have uh, include Google. I mean, remember when, when uh, Trump, oh, Google was going to do everything for the, uh, for the, to track the pandemic and so on and so on. Um, you know, Apple and Google and these other tech companies do business with the man, with the deep state. And, uh, and you know, we, we need to be aware of it. And I pointed out in this, which uh, got some, some blowback, the narrowing of opinion down to what elites find acceptable is one definition of fascism, a no opposition allowed corporatist state. And that's, you know, we can argue this, the degree of it that's state, the degree of it that, that's something else, um, but that's what is being argued for. It is being argued, for instance, YouTube CEO who said they would take down anything on their platform that didn't agree with the World Health Organization. Well, you know, what happens in a world in which the World Health Organization is maybe maybe wrong once? <laughs> just um, once. <laughs> just once, just makes one mistake, but it can't get corrected. Not on YouTube it can anyway. And anybody who's trying to correct correct it if you if the, you shut them down on YouTube and they're going to dare to speak somewhere else, don't you have to shut them down there? 
You got to if it's a, you know, a cockroach running around with information that you don't want out, you got to smash them wherever they run. And that's that's the idea behind it. And again, um, you can argue, oh, no, 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 there's no government force here. I love to hear people, especially on the left, who sometimes like government force. No, 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 no government force. Well, we're going to see just how much, you know, I think I think one of the things we as free people have to do is remove the veil, which ain't easy, but but find out how much our government is in bed with the big tech companies who are trying to silence us. Yeah, that's a point I've been trying to make, you know, for the last six months or so. But on this podcast, I occasionally bring it up is the government works with major, major corporations all the time. You can call them private, as people are calling these tech companies, private companies, but they have government contracts. And one of the things about being a government contractor, a deep state contractor, a military contractor, what Eisenhower called the military industrial complex, those people, is that they then find themselves under certain restrictions about what they can do with other, uh, with who they sell their guns to, for instance. They aren't allowed, for instance, to sell nuclear bombs to Iran or North Korea if they make nuclear bombs for us, for the United States government. Not us, not you and me, but the U.S. Right, government. Right. And so my point is, if the government is making contracts with the, the major social media companies, then the strictures on what the, the companies do should be this similar, and they should abide by the First, Amen- the First Amendment. That is, that for the same right. kind of reasons as that they're not allowed to behave and just have private company kinds of interactions if they have deep state contracts. Because what that really means is that what we have is a deep state outfit controlling us, which is exactly the wrong position we want. Right. Does that make any right. sense? You no, know, it does make sense because we don't, one, we don't quite know the full extent that, that because so much of what is done is kind of at the CIA level or the NSA. And, and so we're, we're not privy to any of the information, but, but, you know, it, it, it seems to me that the, uh, the, this whole idea that, that somehow this is just freedom. Well, then spread it across. For instance, the the antitrust laws, which I'm not a big fan of antitrust laws, um, but I don't think there's any question that antitrust laws, like one of the things I, I have pointed out to folks is, you know, the, the shutting down of parlor, um, you know, that's almost a classic case of big operations colluding to wreck a, a smaller competitor. And in the marketplace with freedom, there's certain opportunities to do that. So I'm not I'm not saying, gee whiz, let's give the government the, the right to decide who can or can't. But frankly, the way our laws work, the government has the right to decide who can or can't uh, put together these trusts and so on. And they allow Major League Baseball to do that. And it certainly appears that they're allowing Apple and Google to do that. And so, you know, what's what's good for the goose is good for the gander. It, you can't really have freedom unless there is equal protection of the laws. You can't enforce the laws against some people, but not against other people and say that that's a free society. So um, I, I think there's a, a, a lot of uh, there's a lot going on here. And I think that the two things that come through in the in the different comments that that people left 
there is total recognition of being lied to by the government and being lied to by big media and being attacked. And this, what happened at the Capitol, being used to somehow try to smear as many people as far and as and wide as possible in order to do more of stomping on people's ability to speak. And I'll just mention this story uh, uh, briefly. Um, but on Wednesday, we did Realtor Group Gag, and the National Association of Realtors uh, is basically coming out with new rules where they can fine you if they didn't like your Facebook post, if it's hate speech. And you can imagine who's going to complain that some normal thing you said is hate speech and who's not going to complain that some hate speech is hate speech. The left's going to complain when someone says some normal thing and the right's not going to complain no matter what, because they're thinking, even though what you said is absolutely hateful, I'm not the type of person who's constantly calling and asking people to shut you up. So uh, we won't go into a whole lot of uh, detail other than to point out that Here's a case in which the National Association of Realtors is free to do whatever harebrained, stupid thing they want to do. They can terrorize their membership if they want within certain legal bounds, but it ain't right. And their membership needs to push back. And I learned something really interesting in, I think we had 12 comments on this, but, um, but Thomas Knapp, who often is uh, commenting and, and uh, isn't always right because he doesn't always agree, but, uh, but he often has something interesting to say. He points out that speaking of organizations banning speech, NAR has a trademark on the world, on the word, he says world, but he just a little typo. I do the same thing on the word realtor. You don't get to call yourself one unless you're a member. I think I could find something else to call myself home seller <laughs> anyway, but isn't, isn't that interesting? Um, it's people are going to use their, their connections and their power at a time like this to try to silence and smear. And what do patriots do at a time like this? They don't allow people to silence and smear. So have we moved to realtor group gag? From January the 13th? We have, and we're about to move off it. Okay, just, just like that, moving on the week. And now my favorite title of the week. Yes. Our Info War. And in the email blurb, we mentioned that we don't mention Alex Jones once. And that was that, that was actually the reason I like that title, is that we don't mention Alex Jones once. You know, it's something that I don't know if, uh, surely nobody enjoys our titles as much as we enjoy our own. Uh, but this was a synthesis, went back and forth, and I did love it. And, of course, people who subscribe to our email, and if you go to thisiscommonsense.org, you will see at the top there is a place to subscribe. Um, and I heard somebody had a problem with it uh, yesterday, and so uh, we have to check that out. But but anyway, we'll, if it is a problem, we'll, we'll fix it. Uh, but they, they emailed me just a few minutes ago. Um, but go there and subscribe and get it by email in case who knows what, you know, all, all, uh, 
flocks of, of locusts, you know, prevent the internet from working or something. Well, it still, still wouldn't work because I couldn't get the email to you. But anyway, uh, a lot of people get it by email. It's a good way to, you know, remember, here it is, it's in my email. It's short, so you don't have to go to any websites. You can just read it there. A lot of people do that still, uh, us old old folks. The uh, Now I'm going to forget why it was that I wanted to, to point out the, uh, oh, because of that, we made a little joke about Alex Jones in the, and we try to do something in the in the email uh, subject line each time to to be uh, witty and charming. I mean, I, what can we say? It's just one more added benefit of thisiscommonsense.org. That's right. Not to mention the beautiful graphics, beautiful graphics, which we don't have anything to do with. Uh, Not you and me don't yes, have anything to do with, yes. right? Yeah, we do have yeah, something I, to yeah. do with them. I make some graphics for you occasionally. No one describes them as beautiful. <laughs> they're they're not bad, but but they're not the same level of beauty. But let's talk just a little bit about our info war, because the whole week we've been talking about info wars and so on. And I mentioned that I got rid of my Twitter account and not even the slightest pang of regret. Uh, but Michael Rechtenwald says, do not close your Facebook or Twitter accounts. Well, too late on Twitter, but he makes a point on, uh, on Facebook and he makes a point on all of it that don't give up the space you have and that you can go to other spaces. And I think that's something that this, this program, uh, uh, this is commonsense.org. Uh, we're, we're going to be looking for other places to be posting and maybe initially, you know, we'll, uh, we'll go to four, three, four different, uh, places to post, uh, can't go to parlor at the moment since that's kind of shut down, but, uh, but, you know, looking for other audience without abandoning the audience at Facebook. And it's interesting we say that because a friend of mine suggested everybody take a break from 7 a.m. on Friday morning until 7 a.m. on Saturday morning from Facebook. And I joined him in that today, uh, just as maybe a way to kind of send a message. It didn't seem like there's enough lead time to have much impact. But I think you're going to see more and more pushback. Um, I think I think we better see more and more pushback. Yeah, I was late to that game. I think I found out about after I'd posted after 7 o'clock this morning. You know, one of the things we mention in this piece uh, that, that we often don't mention, and I think sometimes people forget, we we talk about, we've talked several times, especially in these, in these uh, podcasts, about the fact that there's all kinds of relationships, monetary relationships between the government and, and these uh, tech companies. Um but we don't address as mu as often the fact that these tech companies have been pulled before Congress and lectured and urged to block bad things from being on. And what they mean by bad is anything that might cause them any heartburn about reelection. That's exactly what they mean. And trust me, it gets communicated. Um, and, you know, we one of the things that the last week. The last week of the campaign, if you don't have an ad up, you can't get an ad up on Facebook. Did that help any challengers? I don't think so. Did it help incumbents places? I'll bet it did. I'll bet there was a challenger who didn't get the money in time to get everything up on Facebook they wanted to get. 
And I'll bet there wasn't an incumbent out there who made that same mistake of, of not having money when you need it. Uh, uh, and, and again, see, stuff like that is almost with almost any of the reforms, election, early voting, different things that are discussed. It just seems like it's never discussed with any sort of sense of what what's the real impact on what's going on politically. And again and again, you find, oh, it's a huge advantage to incumbents. Oh, shucks, that must have just been a, an accident. And as, as uh, FDR, who's now my favorite guy, said, but he was right here, nothing in politics happens by accident. One of the things I find funny on the left is that for eight years, how long, of 10 years, we've been hearing about how awful Citizens United decision was? Remember Citizens United? Yes. And which allowed corporations to influence elections. And what they mean, of course, is to to allow corporations, which is just a, a legal designation for a kind of way of pooling money and moving it around, um, to uh, say things that they don't like. That's what they really mean. They don't want to hear, have anybody hearing things, th- hearing things, hearing from certain ideas. That's what they w- that don't want. And Citizens United was an, all along. It was about suppressing a, a, a movie. It was about a movie that was made that was not allowed to be shown, which is to me one of the most astounding things that have happened in the last 20 years. I mean, it's the idea that in America, yes, the Constitution of the United States basically, or the Congress forbade a movie from being shown in America. To me, this is just so weird that yes. I don't even understand how these people think. But and, and all that time, but think about all that time, you and me and everyone saying, this is, these are just you know, private individuals doing things. And uh, and we would say things like, you can't really, you know, control what a private corporation does, right? Because that's not your purview. You don't have... Now that argument is being used by the left to defend the suppression of speech and basically of, of ideas. And they do it because, on the surface anyway, they, their left friends have all moved into major corporations and it's the corporations that are squelching speech. It's not the government directly. It's, it is these corporations. So it looks like they're... So corporations was just complete BS, just a word to throw out for people doing stuff we don't like. Right. And now they're doing the same thing they wanted done through the instrumentality that they said shouldn't do it. Now, there's some ironies for us in all that. I mean, I think it's kind of funny. I mean, I find it kind of hilarious. I mean, that that they basically are suppressing thoughts from being expressed, but instead of using the government against corporations, they're using corporations against the people. Okay. I just want, I, I think people should be clear that that's where the left is right now. And that means that they are now in the bed with the corporations and they have embraced the corporations and they are the corporations. And I think we should just remember who's doing what to whom, at what point, through what instrumentality. And uh, that's just kind of interesting. And how we should react to it all, uh, I do want to go back always to the government and the deep state connections, but it is interesting that leftists who are wanting to suppress their political opponents are using corporations to do so. And I'll tell you, it's, it is so important, it seems to me, from a practical standpoint, to separate private and public. The worst of all possible worlds is the 
public-private partnership. Well, sure. And I say this, I'm going to mention a really tiny, in the grand scheme of things, maybe, example of this that hit home to me. I get involved in petition drives and so on. And you're always looking for places where people can go find citizens and collect signatures. You know, the town square is not where people are. They're at the mall and the mall security says, get the heck out of here. So you're always looking for places. And some of the best places are government buildings because they can't, you know, say, hey, get out of here. There's no freedom here because they're supposed to believe in freedom. So often the Department of Motor Vehicles or some other government bureau that has foot traffic where you would want to petition outside is on private property so that they can say, well, no, you're not allowed to be out here because this is private property. You mean I can't speak to people who are traveling to this government office because they're walking across private property to get there. And of course, you can understand I'm not wanting to strip mall owners of their private property rights. I don't want the government set up anywhere where we can't get to it. You know, you could have total transparency by putting all government documents on the moon and allowing anyone anytime to read and look at all of them. But of course, none of us are able to get to the moon. And it's that sort of thing. Now, this, that's a, this is a tiny thing, but you can see how you can somehow create this situation in which someone's private rights prevent someone else from getting government service that they, that they need, justice that they need, um, you know, redress of grievances that they need. And, and so this is, this is very serious stuff. And usually... The right and the left, the free market conservative, the libertarian, and the woke person on the left who doesn't want the little guy smashed, they're worried about these big public-private partnerships because they understand that's how the connected do so much to, to enrich themselves at the rest of our expense. And poor people can't afford a whole lot of expense. So it's really kind of obnoxious of them to do this. That's, that is changing now to, hey, it, as long as you're going to silence my political enemy, hey, you're my buddy. We love the private-public partnership. We love certain corporations getting extra powers. That is, uh, it's scary. It's, it's as scary as anything out there. And of course, all these things are working together. I want to mention two things about the comments on this. Uh, one, Pat, um, bless her heart, and I mean that um, in a much more enthusiastic way, uh, points out, I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Facebook, so I can't get off. Um, she questions whether we can subvert from within by staying on, and I, I salute. That's a good question. Well, that was the, kind of the point of your point. Yes, yes, and, and I think I think – that we can to some degree, but we have to be honest with ourselves and we have to, we have to assess. Uh, but I liked uh, Tom Knapp uh, was back and, uh, and made his suggestions uh, for, he says, I just added telegram to the list of my newsletters editions. Uh, he does it on the web. He does it by email, Facebook, Twitter, uh, steam it. 
which I'm not even familiar with, Minds, which I am familiar with, Me We, which I've been on, uh, Diaspora, and uh, and now Telegram. So he's suggesting here's some some places to go, uh, but. There are times where people are going to block you. I, I know my father uh, started a company when he was 50-something years old, and he had a do-not-compete clause uh, that stopped him from competing in the biggest county in the state of Arkansas, Pulaski County. And I believe there may have been a couple other counties right around there that he was prevented from selling uh, he had office machines, copiers and fax machines and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but he was prevented from selling in those counties. And my brother went to work with him. Of course, my brother could sell in those counties, uh, which helped. Uh, but it created a situation in which all of a sudden my dad had business one county over, one county over this way. In other words, at the end of the two-year period or whatever the period was, I don't have any idea, but uh, it wasn't forever. But uh, at the end of that period, he had a much bigger range of operations. Um, and that's what we ought to be looking to do here is, you know, no need to bitch and moan. That ain't, that ain't us. Uh, we got to open up new territory and we got to fight where we are. And and so that's that's I think the uh, that's the action item. And then we were we before we got going on this podcast, uh, Tim and I were debating which graphic uh, uh, Jim Gill, our our graphic artist, uh, which one of his we like the best. And um, and you liked uh, which one do you like? Mondays. I like Mondays with all the with all the CNNs yes. and everything on it. Consigned to Outer Darkness. That was really but there was all NPCs. It was a it was a it was a mob of NPCs. Yes, that is NPCs, uh, media production companies. No, no, non-playing characters. Oh, this is a common meme out there. You may not be hip to the lingo. <laughs> not hip. Uh, <laughs> I may be hip to the lingo, but that'd be it. So that's an NPC that you're seeing in both cases, uh, and on on uh, the uninvestigated as well for Friday. That's an NPC image, and an NPC uh, is in, in um, game playing, which I don't do any of. Me neither. I don't even do chess online. I, I, I just do none of it. Chess but, uh, is hard. You got to think all the time. It's just very difficult. My favorite game is Go, and now now an artificial intelligence has beat all the Go masters in Ooh. the world. I I've mean, played so, Go, before. so we're we're. It, that's a great game. I like I like a variant of it anyway. But anyway, but that's beside the point. NPCs are when you go into these role playing games. This is as I understand it. I, I won't ever do it. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Sometimes some of the, the characters in there are characters that are other players, right? Like you that are online or in, in, a, in, a, in a room full of, of players and you're battling with them or lying with them or doing whatever you want. And then there are other characters that are simply the artifacts of the game itself. They're intelligences that are created by the game. They're non-playing characters. Uh -huh. So they are, they're fake beings, right? They don't have the same agency that the actual players are. And to call somebody an NPC is to basically tell them you're not a full rational individual playing this game, you know, this game of right. life. You have been so programmed by the memes uh, out there or by some group you belong to that you really aren't 
a human being. You are, might as well be, you failed the Turing test. Or you're just passing it because you're fake. And this is the worst insult you can actually, I believe it's actually the worst insult that anyone, there's no racist insult that is as bad as NPC. And basically we're calling CNN, and in this case, Anderson Cooper. Mr. Anderson, Anderson yes. Cooper, an NPC. So that's a huge insult. Yes. And this was uh, the uninvestigated, and and this is a good good uh, closing script, and it's Friday script. So there you go. Uh, it's all working together now. Uh, anyway, um, we what uh, back in June we wrote something, and I guess there were there were stories back in in February. Yes. Uh, about um, Dr. Fauci. One of the things he does is he has money that the taxpayers send in and Congress sends to him and and to study things, to come up with uh, cures for diseases and learn more about diseases and so on. We had a script, uh, what was it, uh, 12, oh, I'm going to forget what the name of it was, uh, 12 Little Monkeys? It was a play on the Twelve Monkeys, uh, the movie. Yes, yes. Well, why, why am I just? Uh, why am I even? I've, I've got a link to it. So right, but you, you've uh, have not seen the Twelve Monkeys. You know, I have seen that movie a long time ago, or most of it, but it was not. I, you know, I'm not super familiar with it. Okay, it's one of my favorite movies. It's a Terry Gilliam film. The guy who did Brazil. Yes. Oh, yes. okay. I love. And you and you like I Brazil, love Brazil, right? Yeah. Which this uh, puts your cred in the film uh, aficionado movement uh, much higher because Brazil is a much weirder movie than Twelve Monkeys. Uh, but anyway, yes. uh, Twelve Monkeys in Charge was the piece from June eighteenth, two thousand twenty. And we pointed out that Fauci had sent seven million dollars in research funds to the lab in Wuhan, China, that has. Um, at least in some people's view, is a likely source of COVID-19, of the coronavirus. And some of the uh, research there is alleged to be this kind of let's work up a super virus so that we can learn how to fight a super virus. Not to kill everyone, hopefully, <laughs> but uh, not that that couldn't be somebody's plan as well. But there's been... there. There has been all kinds of speculation about where did this come from? Did it come from wet markets? That was said and everyone was supposed to believe it. And then it turns out that doesn't seem to be anything that that holds up very well. Still possible, but doesn't it, it seems like everybody's kind of said, no, that doesn't appear to be it. Did it come from that Wuhan lab? Was it an accident? Was it the U.S. military? That's what China suggested, that it's a bioweapon, and the U.S. military did it. And as a number of people suggested, yes, it's a bioweapon, but no, the U.S. military didn't do it. Our friends, the Chinazis, the CCP, uh, did it. We don't know. But I'm really curious, and Tim, we've had enough discussions. I know you're curious, too. And when we did this piece, uh, 12 Monkeys in Charge, uh, back in June, we got all kinds of comments on it. Like, whoa, whoa, what is this? 
where's this been? Why are you just now telling us? And of course, I'm, you know, it's not like I have some crystal ball somewhere. There was an article in Newsweek. So it's, it hasn't really been hid, but we constantly are talking about this virus or hearing about it. But it seems like we hear the same old crap again and again and again. And it's always that we should wash our hands. We had this discussion earlier today, Tim, when we were talking about what time we we're going to do this and so on. Um, it's still wash your hands and wear a mask and, and so on and so on. When they first were talking about it, they were worried it was on all kinds of surfaces. Uh, and you pointed out that it does look like masks have been really effective against the flu, which, of course, the flu is spread more in droplets, you explained. And I wasn't aware of that. Uh, but this appears to be airborne in such a way that what they told us early on about masks is probably right, that they're not very helpful. In fact, they may be somewhat harmful. Um, that, you know, they're just not going to stop. The, the particles are tiny. They're going through the mask. If you're, sta if you're all masked up and you're in a room with five people and one of them has coronavirus and you're there for two hours inside breathing the same air, you're in trouble. Um, and so, you know, but, but we don't get any of that. And maybe I'm wrong, but it's like we'd, I'd like to hear the discussion. <laughs> I'd like to hear smart medical people tell us something instead of everything is so we can only have one voice and he's going to say this and no one can disagree. If you disagree, we shut you down. But here we're going beyond just the we're going to shut down any opinions we don't like. And we're asking the question, why is it so hard to get our reporters to actually investigate stuff and report everything? And, and if, if the problem is, oh, it's a lack of money, journalism's been hit hard, blah, 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 blah. Okay, I can understand that. That's a legitimate argument, except... I might want to kind of reprioritize some of the spending you are doing because it seems like we ought to be looking at this. And this week they they land in Wuhan and all but a couple who couldn't get in because they didn't have they had antibodies or something for coronavirus. Uh, but China has finally allowed the who not, you know, Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend, but the World Health Organization into China to investigate. Now that, it's, now that it's been about a year and you're unlikely to find anything, uh, we're going to let you in and let you investigate. Uh, and of course, Australia, who called for an independent in investigation, is in a huge trade war with China and China is trying to uh, intimidate and browbeat and, and wreck Australia. Be sure to buy Australian wine. Um, but that's, that's this story. And, uh, and we just pointed out, I'm, I don't think it's the only one, but it's something where, uh, you know, we had the guy who was arrested, the, the, which we mentioned in the story, who was arrested, a, a Harvard researcher uh, who uh, was getting money and stuff from China. They didn't bother to say, say anything uh, that he was supposed to by law. And, um, and so there, there's been all kinds of uh, conspiracy. What's he involved in and why and why? Are he and Harvard at odds and so on? Look, we don't have the answers. We don't pretend we have the answers, but we have some questions. And one of those questions is why is our news media not following this story? Why is there not a where did coronavirus come from beat 
at the New York Times and at the Washington Post and at CNN and NBC and so on and so on. There's not, they don't seem to care. And I think that that tells us something. That it does. And right there, I think we could close the uh, podcast. I was going to sing, but if you say, if you say that's a good close, who am I to argue? So there we are, the second episode for 2021 of This Week in Common Sense, starring Paul Jacob. My name is Timothy Verkula. This has been The Marginalizers, wherein we discussed the marginalizers who are now in control of the media. You can find this podcast on SoundCloud, Podcatchers, YouTube, and a variety of other places, but always, always, at thisiscommonsense.org. Mm-hmm.